One time. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, all I need is one mic, one beat, one stage. Welcome one to The Time Is Now. I am your host, Michael Stafford. It is Tuesday, January the 24th. Let's 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 get a fun show this week. First off, the Lakers just got a big addition to the roster. All right, all right, all right. The NFL Conference Finals are set, but first, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? We're gonna get into it. So we got a great show for you guys this week. So sit back, relax, and I'll see you on the other side. Getting hit, this is my hood, I'm a rep To the death of it, to everybody, come on Little this grown, hood rats Don't abortion your wound, we need more Warriors soon, shit from the stars, sun and the moon And it's like a police chasing Street sweepers and coppers, kids with no conscience Leaving victims with doctors If you really think you're ready to die With doubt, this is what Nas is about The time is now All right, everybody, welcome back to The Time Is Now. Man, what a week. This weekend was one of the best weekends in NFL history. Well, I can't really say that. I guess in recent history because I have a recency bias right now, man. This weekend was crazy. All right, so we're going to start a little backwards. We're going to go from the last game of the weekend, which is Sunday night's game, Cowboys versus the Niners. Epic rematch. Epic rematch from last season, a division around, same thing, just different story. Before, we were in Dallas, and and, and the Niners came, and they couldn't get the ball down, and they, they lost the game by a little bit, and they couldn't get there. And then now this year, they're in uh, Niner country. Bang, bang, Niner gang. Bang, bang, Niner gang. You know what I mean? Out here doing their thing. And listen, 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 listen. The game did not disappoint because true to script, Niners came out, couldn't get nothing. Dallas defense looking dominant. Brock, they confusing the rookie. The rookie looking like a rookie right now, right? Not only, and mind you, he's not just any old rookie, seventh round pick. This is like, this is like not even Tom Brady type rookie, but he's been balling, right? Winning so many games straight. I think he won like six games straight. This is like seventh game. The team is on a hot streak. Everybody's clicking on all cylinders. They averaging over 30 points, 35 points, 30 points in the playoffs. They're balling, right? Nah, Dallas ain't having it. Defense showed up, showed out. And Dak did Dak things right up, right off the bat. In the first possession, pick. But then the defense steps up again, only allows the three points. That's huge. Then going to the second quarter. Dak gets the first touchdown of the game. I said, because I'm looking at the game, and it looks like Dallas really has it. Like, like it had the swagger. And then you see, okay, Dak got that one pick out of his system. They recovered it. They, the, the Niners couldn't do none of their trick plays. Nothing was working. The running game, nothing was working, right? And the rookie looked like a rookie. They, they started forcing. They noticed when he rolls to his right, he gets some good stuff going on. So they, they, made, they took his right away, and he tried to roll to his left. He's not as efficient. He's not as deadly, and he does not really flee the foot. He's not a running quarterback like that he can he can create extra time but he's not he's, he's no he's no uh Jalen Hurts or or you know Lamar Jackson he's not those guys he's not even he's, he's not even a, um the brother over there in Buffalo 
He's not even him. So, um, Allen. So, anywho, do the touchdown. Guess what? Brett Maher, same thing. This time he got it blocked. <laughs> this dude got it blocked, man. Come on. Missing all those packs, <laughs> the extra points. He got this one. He got it blocked. And if you look at it, only only reason why I was blocked is he was hooking it so far left, man. Come on, Maher. Like, you're a free agent after this season. You're going to be a permanent free agent. All right? You are a permanent free agent. Missing everything. So now the lead is 6-3. to three. And then, guess what happened? Another pick. <laughs> another pick. Come on, man. So then another pick. And guess what? Dallas defense stops them again. They only get a field goal. So now it's 6-6. Six, six. And somehow, same thing happened again. They go ahead and finish it off. Leading Niners led the Dallas Cowboys 9-6 to six at halftime. Still a reasonable game. Game still close. So they didn't allow them to get a touchdown at all in the first half. When we go into the second half, Dallas comes and scores again, get three more points. They got three points. Great. Good for you. Now the game is tied 9-9, going into the fourth quarter. And this is where things turn. They go into the fourth quarter, and they just can't. Dak threw two, two interceptions. Could have easily been four. Because one of them, Warner jumped the route. First of all, he had an open guy on. He had CD open on. Was it CD? I think it was CD on the on the outright because it was a cover three formation. So the the best route is that little five yard out, and he throws it to the tight end <laughs> in the slot, and the linebacker. It was so good to him. He was, he was trying to he was trying to pick six. He was trying to take it to the house, and he fumbled it. So because he fumbled it, that was a pick. There was another one, I believe, you're throwing the ball to Zeke, and Zeke popped it in the air. It was in the air so long, I swore it was a pick. I think that was in the red zone as well. It should have easily been four picks, man. And that's the difference of the game. Because as the Niners win 19-12, to 12, and then we're not even going to talk about that final play. Once we go video, we can start showing these clips because they're more comical that way. But to try to convey it via radio or audio, I should say, it's not. it doesn't give it justice. Now, you watch the game, you already know what I'm talking about. But when you see this, Dak was 23 for 37. Not so bad, but he got those two picks, potential four picks. That's the difference. He threw one touchdown because Brock Purdy didn't throw a touchdown, but guess what else he didn't do? He didn't throw any picks. He just, he he did what, um, what, what their backup did earlier in the year. He just managed the game. All he had to do, they only lost by one touchdown, by one score. All he had to do was manage the game better because – the difference in the game, it's really when they were in a red zone, got that pick. So instead of getting at least three down there, we got three back down the other way in the Niners. That's a six-point switch. And then with that early pick in the first quarter, got him those three points. How many points is that? That's nine. That's a nine. If you do your math, three-point switch. So that's a six-point switch. Instead of getting three, they got three. Got another pick. That got three. Got six points from that, which lost you at least three points the other way. That's nine points you lost by seven. That's you, Dak. The difference of the game is you. The defense did their job. They allowed one touchdown. Y'all got one touchdown. They allowed one touchdown. But then you threw two picks, which gave up another six points. That's the difference of the game. That's it. And then once, you know, uh, because you're in the red zone, could have got at least a field goal, maybe a touchdown. But if you throw those picks, that's the difference of the game, Dak. Dak went ahead and Dak. And that's what happened with that. So Dak went ahead and did his thing. And he, he Dak the game away. And they end up losing that game 19 to 12. So we can go backwards. We go to the Chiefs versus the Jaguars. It wasn't as close as it seems. They won 27 to 20. 
It wasn't really as close as it seems. You got Patrick Mahomes going again. He's undefeated in the divisional round. That's highly impressive. He's his whole time as a start, he's he just repeats. He's like rinse and repeat, goes right back to the conference championship. That is amazing. And then the biggest lopsided victory of the weekend was most definitely those Eagles beating down the Giants 38 to 7. But it shouldn't, if you really understood, if you paid attention, yes, they were nine and seven and one. But they were, I think they were like, they, they had zero wins versus the playoff teams, the teams in the playoffs. They didn't, beat, they didn't beat any of them. So they're not truly a playoff contending team. So it, it comes down to scheduling a lot of times. That's why I felt like my Raiders are going to suck this year because they're scheduled next season. And when they get Tom Brady, they'll be, they'll be a lot better. And we got to see how that fares out because that might be some wins against the Chargers that might make the Chargers not make the playoffs next year because they didn't fire their coach. <laughs> So we're going to do projections next season. I I had all my projections correct except for my Broncos. We all know what happened with that. We won't tap into that again. Let's focus on this. Now, you had Jalen Hurts. Not too impressive because he had a short field out of the times because of the defense. So two touchdowns throwing and one rushing. Jalen Hurts, balling. I think he had a total of like 200 yards, almost 200 yards with um, three touchdowns. What else you want him to do? And then Kenneth Gainwell, I, I'm like, where'd he come from? Boston Scott, Miles Sanders, he did a lot. He got 90 yards, but no touchdown. This dude, Kenneth Gainwell, got, he was average almost 10 yards a carry with a touchdown. See, they, they do it by committee, people. Like, if you go, if you look at the receiving court, Devontae Smith, six receptions. Dallas Goddard, five. A.J. Brown with three. Like, A.J. Brown's their number one receiver. He got, if I were to tell you right now, he was going to have three receptions for 22 yards, you would think they lose that game, but they didn't. Cause they still got Devontae Smith, and you got you got their tight end, who got a touchdown, and then also Devontae Smith with a touchdown. Their number one guy they, they acquired in the offseason was like a decoy. These, I don't see anybody beating them, man. I don't see anyone beating those guys. I mean, the Eagles beat down 38-7 to against those G-man, man, 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 man. But then um, you also had the Bills versus the Bengals in the repeat game. Um, the game that was canceled, um, it was kind of weird because they said if the Bills win, they will have to face Kansas City in a, in, a, in a neutral location in Atlanta because they lost the opportunity to win the first round bye. My thing is this. The one, it's, it's not really the home field advantage what you covered. You covered that bye because it automatically advances you past the wild card round. That's what you want. And that's what helped Jalen Hurts get healthy. That's why he came back the last game of the season to lock in that first round bye. That's what it's about. Because back when they used to have two buys, and then, and then the, the number one, the good, what was good about it is that they had home field throughout. Now it's only one team that gets the buy. And there's now instead of six teams, there's seven teams. That, that's how they figured it out. And I like it better. It makes you fight for that number one overall seed. And that's what they're able to get. And so I, don't, I didn't like how that was going to work. So the, the, the Bengals seemed to take that personal because they were not too far off from being a number one seed as well. They're 12 and four, while the Bills were 13 and three. So they both forfeit that game. But if they beat the Bills, that changes everything, doesn't it? That makes them 13 and three, and it makes the Bills 12 and four. So I don't know. Or I'm sorry, or they could have ended the season with 14 and three, like the Chiefs. You never know. that, And so that I see why they have their trepidation. So they like who they, which I think is wax. I could have swore they stole that from the Saints. Because who they don't sound right. And they say, who they say they're going to beat them Bengals? Why y'all, why y'all biting off the Saints? The Saints is who that, who that, who that said they're going to beat them Saints. See how it flows? So you know they came up with it first. Now you say, who they, who they say they're going to beat them Bengals? Come on, somebody. 
y'all gotta stop with the foolishness, man. Let somebody have it, man. Like, I, I can't, I mean, I mean, I know y'all better now in the playoffs. Historically, you guys were a bad franchise, and you guys were just a mediocre franchise, and now with Burrow, it makes you feel relevant, and everybody's talking about he's the next coming because he's Joe Cool and all that stuff. Your old line's still not good enough, damn it. You're just not. You're just not. Your old line still ain't good enough. Yeah, I said it. What you gonna do about it? Ain't nothing you gonna do about it, baby. Ain't nothing you gonna do about it. But anyways... Bengals beat the Bills, and it was it was twenty seven to ten. Really wasn't really that close. I felt bad because Demar Hamlin was there. Um, it was a big inspirational boost, like I said last week with him. It felt like after they made it to the playoffs, because the way they played last week, they seemed underwhelmed. Uh, they seemed like they were content. Like this, it's the issue with him kind of took the winds out of their sails, and were more like this. Like this is the most important thing. Like if they won it, great. If they didn't win it, they're like they're just happy to be alive. That's that's the energy I got from it. So when I see that, that's what I gather. So um, Hamlin being there, and then um, but they couldn't pull it out for him. They couldn't do well. And then for them to kind of say Josh Allen is the future, I mean he's a lot, he's very talented. There's a lot of talented quarterbacks. I'm not gonna say he's like like Philip Rivers. You know, a lot of talented quarterbacks who just never made it. Ah, he's better than Philip Rivers. He's a lot of talent. But that doesn't guarantee you're going to win at all. They have the, I think once they lost Von Miller, that made a huge difference. That made a huge difference in, in having that closer. But at the end of the day, I don't think it would have made that much of a difference. I don't think it would have put another two scores on the board. Unless you got some uh, fumble recoveries, unless you force some turnovers, maybe. But I don't know. I don't know what Buffalo's got to do to turn that ship around because other teams are going to get better. The Browns are going to be more relevant next season. With Deshaun Watson, that team is loaded and they have a lot of guys under contract. Um, Kansas City ain't going nowhere, and neither are the Bengals. And who knows what Miami's about to do? Um, I think Tua's gonna be on his way out, and they're gonna find a way to get a decent quarterback. They might get Derek Carr with a defense like that, they could do it. He has speedsters on both ends. Uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of Derek Carr, so you know, it, it, it is what it is with me. So I don't think he's enough. I think Derek Carr needs to go to a situation where he has a dominant defense because he's never had one. If he goes to a situation where they have a dominant defense like the Jets, if, if Derek Carr goes to the Jets, that's a good fit for him. I'm not saying that he's ass. I, I was never saying that. I was just saying he's not the quarterback for my team. He's not the quarterback for my Raiders, and he's never has been. He was decent, good leader. I think the, the best shining moment for him was last season um, with all those tragedies happening, and then you lose your coach the way you lose him. All, all the soap opera stuff. You needed a high-character guy like Derek Carr to, to write the ship. So I appreciate that from him, how he was able to kind of help the, the Raiders weather the storm and then attract the Devontae Adams. So thank you for doing that. That was your that's, – that's what you brought to my franchise. But you're not there to get us where we need to be in at least in an AFC championship game. So saying all that, the games are set the way they are. Um Next week, both games are on Sunday. No more Saturday games, which means I get to enjoy my Saturdays because, um, you know, I, I want to spend time with my daughter and whatnot. And soccer season starting uh, for us on the 4th, but I won't be there because we got the rest in peace to my, my cousin Jamal and we bury him that day. But back to the program. First game, San Francisco versus Philly. I knew that was going to be the matchup because the NFC was just that. It was very clear cut who the two top teams were. It was really Philly and San Francisco and nobody else. Now, you know how they say everybody else? It was nobody else. So uh, it was evident it was going to be those two teams. 
Now, with Kansas City and Cincinnati, it was a flip of the coin between whether it's going to be the Bills or Cincinnati. And that's kind of what it came down to. Cincinnati prevailed. And the thing is this, Joe Burrow's never lost to Kansas City his entire career. So there's a lot of narratives going. Remember we had earlier Tom Brady never losing to the Cowboys and that changed. So this could be the year of change. But the difference is here. It depends on the overall health of one Patrick Mahomes. You remember early in that game, a player landed directly on his ankle, giving him a high ankle sprain. Now, those of us who play sports, you know it's very difficult, if not impossible, to play on a high ankle sprain. If you're a basketball player because you have to run and jump, you're out for several weeks. I've seen people out for months with a high ankle sprain, depending how severe it is. Mind you, in the when LeBron had that same injury, they fell on his ankle. I don't know if you guys remember this. This is way back. This is back um, uh, uh, the year, was it the year before? I think it was the year before the bubble. And, and that changed everything. I, I forgot it, it was uh, Sim, Simon, Simon something, Simon's whatever. And he, he landed on, I think he was playing for the, 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 the Rockets, landed on LeBron's ankle, high ankle sprain. He was virtually done for the season. He came back, but it wasn't much of anything. They were the fourth seed at the time. They were balling out with all the young players. Didn't do anything. Didn't make the playoffs. This dude had a 300 plus lineman land on him. With all his gear, helmet, everything. And no, he doesn't have to run and jump, but he needs his legs to be mobile and to plant. He's a scrambling quarterback. And now you give him a high ankle sprain. That thing's the size of a softball, guaranteed. I've had my fair share of those injuries. He was hobbling all over the field. He barely finished. Luckily, it was the Jaguars, who were the worst team left in the playoffs at the time, outside of the Giants, but in the AFC. Hot team, Trevor Lawrence doing his thing, but it's, a first, it's another level. And Trevor Lawrence and that team have not hit that level yet. Etienne's going to be good, but they're, they're the running back, but they're not there yet, the Jaguars. Another class. If if that injury happened versus the Bills or the Bengals, I think the Kansas City Chiefs lose. Now they have time to retool and everything like that, but they have, you know, we, we have to see what happens there with Kansas City. So I'm actually going to pick Cincinnati to win again because the odds are already leaning towards Cincinnati winning before the injury. Now you got Mahomes who's hobbled. I got Cincinnati beating uh, Mahomes again at Kansas City. So I have that going on. That game comes on Sunday at 3.30 p.m. Pacific time. The first game is San Francisco versus Philly. Like, I go back to that. I actually feel, by, by looking at the tape, I think there's enough tape now on Brock Purdy to where they need to be cautious. The Eagles have a better defense than Dallas. Yeah, Dallas has a great pass rush. But overall, the Eagles have a better defense, and they barely were able to put up 19 points on them. And they have enough film on Brock Purdy to where you have to be cautious. Yeah, Kittle might go off like he did before. You have a lot of weapons, but I think now it's finally starting to sink into this. This this may be a little bit too much for 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 Brock Purdy. You know, I know they had their winning streak and and all that, but this could be a little bit too much for him because you had to have to go back and look. Um, let me see here. When you when you look back at uh, this past season, he came in, um, I would say the last third of the season, and they had that long win streak. It was great, but what was it really? Because, yes, he was winning games, but when you get to the same level right here, it's completely different. So that's the difference of it all. If I got to go back and try to see, like, who did they beat? When they're on that winning streak and they just couldn't lose and – all that who did they actually beat so they were winning 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 so 
They started, they beat the Saints, they beat the Dolphins, they beat the Bucks, then they beat the Seahawks, they beat the Commanders, they beat the, you, 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 you see the theme here? These are the teams he was beating. Dolphins without Tua, right? The Saints, then they put up 13. The Cardinals, like they, they weren't beating anybody. The Chargers were the best team. I don't think he played, I don't think he was a player in that game. They beat the Rams, Rams are trash. You know, the last time they lost was against the Chiefs, and they got blown out. And I don't think Brock Purdy played that game. I think that was Garoppolo. So then you have the Rams, who are trash, not a playoff team. The Chargers, that's okay. The Cardinals, we already know they were trash. Saints, not a, not a playoff team. The Dolphins without Tua. The Bucks, we saw they were trash, blew them out. The Seahawks aren't on a level, and it was a close game. They barely won that game. The Commanders are a decent team, but still not a playoff team. They beat the Raiders, and that was a close one. They barely beat the Raiders to finish the season. See, you, you see what I'm saying here? They barely beat the Raiders. And the Raiders are not even a playoff team. They have nothing to play for. 37 and 34. Then they beat the Cardinals early on. Blew them out. Okay. Then, then you beat the Seahawks. Okay, that was, I'm sorry. That was the last game of the season. Was against the Cardinals. But still, towards the end of the season, Raiders had nothing to play for. And you barely got by them. Then you then you blow out the Cardinals getting in. Cardinals were running a playoff team. They had nothing to play for. So the, the, these wins are like rogue wins. Then you you blew, beat Seahawks. That's fine. And you barely give out the Cowboys. When you look at the tail of the tape, yes, Brock Purdy's undefeated, but you weren't beating anyone. He had a lot of players, a lot of teams who had nothing to play for at that time. So that seven and zero, whatever, like that, is kind of, is, is kind of, you see, you, you see, and it wasn't Brock going. And, and, and yes, he was throwing the ball well, doing everything well. But I, I just think it's fool's gold. I think the the the, the turkeys or the hams come home to roost. And I really feel like the Eagles are not, I think they're going to beat them convincingly. I think they're going to beat them by at least 10. It won't be like a late game. I think the Eagles are going to beat them pretty convincingly. Yes, their defense is solid. And yes, it's going to be a big test for Philly. But we just saw that Jalen Hurst does not look hurt at all. When we come back, we will get into some NBA action. You're listening to The Time Is Now. Are you tired of spending your entire weekend at dealerships only to feel as if you got a raw deal? Don't you hate all the back and forth and haggling for countless hours? Imagine this. While you're at work or having dinner or just enjoying life, the people at Pure Diamond Auto are working a great deal on your behalf. With Pure Diamond Auto, they have a team of former sales and finance managers who know all the tricks of the trade. Call 562 PDA 7888 today for a free consultation. That's 562 732 7888. What can I say? I love PDA. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Happy birthday to All right, you already know what time it is. It's my favorite part of the show. It's the happy birthday, so let's go. Jay Versace, famous for going viral online. Jay Versace turns 25 today. Um, Michelle McCool, that is the Undertaker's wife, Michelle McCool. She turns 43 this week. Um, David Diggs. David Diggs. David Diggs turns 41 this week. Sasha Banks from the WWE. She turned 31 this week. Luis Suarez, the soccer player. Luis Suarez turned 36 this week. And Oprah Winfrey turned 69. 
Vince Carter, Vince Sanity, he turned 46 this week, and Wayne Gretzky turned 62. Kenya Moore, Kenya Moore turned 52 this week, and Neil Diamond turns 82. Sheamus turns 45 this week, and Darius Garland turns 23. Um, also from the same Cleveland Cavaliers, Isaac Okoro turns 22 this week, and Montrez Harrow turns 29. Ed Helms turns 49 this week, and Tatiana Ali turns 44. Maluma, Maluma, the um, reggaeton star, Maluma turns 49 this week, and Alicia Keys turns 42. From Bridgerton, Reje Jean Page turns 35 this week, and Andre Iguodala turns 39. Wow, 39. Uh, Miracle Watts turns 30 this week, and Jennifer Lewis turns 66. Um, Maxi Kleber from the Mavs turns 31 this week, and Peyton Pritchard turns 25. Ellen DeGeneres turns 65 this week, and Anita Baker turns 65. Kirk Franklin, holla if you whip me. Oh, yeah, we got the church. We ain't going nowhere. Kirk Franklin turns 53 this week. Jessica Dime. Jessica Dime turns 37. That girl Lele turns 16 this week. Uh, Rick Ross turns 47. Jay Cole turns 35 this week. And Big Frida turns 45. Nick Carter turns 43 this week. And Elijah Wood turns 42. Phil Collins turns 72 this week. And Adam Lambert turns 44. Kirk Frost, Kirk Frost from Love and Hip Hop Atlanta turns 54 this week. And Joey Fontone Jr. turns 46. Tom Selleck, that's Magna P.I. Tom Selleck turns 78 this week. And Sarah McLaughlin turns 55. Charlie Wilson, Uncle Charlie. Charlie Wilson turns 70 this week. Christian Bell, the best Batman, he turns 49. D Storm turns 41 this week. Becky Lynch turns 36. Wil Wilmer Valderrama turns 43. And finally, 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 Kid Cuddy turns 39. We have some honorable mentions. XX Estancion, brutally killed back in 2018. Would have been only 25 this week. Mm. Eddie Van Halen, guitarist for Van Halen, passed away 2020. Would have been 68 this week. At last, Eddie Jane, passed away 2012. Would have been 95 this week. And finally, John Witherspoon, Pops, as you may know him. Yiddy. Pops passed away 2019, would have been 81 this week. Well, that's all the birthdays we have this week, guys. Now back to our show. Welcome back, everybody, to The Time Is Now. It's your boy, Mike Staff, in the place to be. Man, man, oh, man. We have some good things happening in the league, man. As the Lakers, we're going to start with the Lakers. You know we're going to start with the Lakers, man. This, this, this might as well be the Lakers podcast when it comes to stuff like this, baby. Lakers, man, did their thing. Listen, they had a homestand of, what, four or five games? Didn't do so well. Started it off last week against the Mavs. They lost. Close game, lost it in overtime. Shouldn't have, shouldn't have lost the game. Then you got the 76ers at home, you lost a close game again. Then you get the Rockets, of course you beat the Rockets. Then you get the Kings at home and you lose. But then it was pretty cool. You're getting beat by the Grizzlies, right? On Friday, got Shannon Sharp in the place to be. You know, you, you got everybody, you got, you know, King James, you know, you know how he is, Goat James. 
And then at halftime, LeBron, no, I'm sorry, not LeBron, Shannon Sharp gets into it with Dylan Brooks. And Dylan Brooks talking trash. He said, well, come on, bring it over here, brother. Bring it on over here. Then for some reason, Aquaman Steve Adams comes over and starts charging him. And they get into a big shout match. And this is the thing. I had to show my family. I said, dude, y'all don't know Uncle Shay, the Hall of Famer, da-da-da-da. He's that dude, swole dude. He's trying to fight everybody, right? Go back and watch that tape. I'm not. I got his back. I'm saying he's a country boy, grew up in a shack and this and that, and they just corn-fed this, this, and that, and everything. When he made his comments and talked to tell everybody what happened, he he failed to mention Steve Adams. People on Twitter were talking about, oh, well, Steve Adams wasn't there. And he came late and he was already turned around. By the time Steve Adams came there, he started looking at T. T. Morant, which is Jaws' daddy, and started wolfing at him. Watch it again. Steve Adams was the first one in his face. Steve Adams ran to 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 uh, Shannon Sharp, and he turned away from it. He's like, well, I don't want to know those problems. He, he did it subtly. But if you look at it again, he came towards me. Make sure you know he started talking to T. Morant, acting like he don't see Steve Adams right in front of him. And then, and then he turns around and starts getting buck wild. My point is, is that I, I want to give him a pass because I just believe just because he's swole and who he is and the Hall of Famer and tough country boy that he ain't going to turn around from no fight. But something about Aquaman, nobody, I, I hear Steve Adams, is that's a big boy. A big boy, big strong, you know, and he's not even 30 yet. He look, I think he's like 27, 28. He looked like he's 40. Just a grown man. He needs to be the next. He needs to be in Aquaman and be like his big cousin or brother in it because, man, he's he's just massive. That's a big dude. So, anyways, Lakers were losing that game. And they came back in the very end with a late steal by Dennis Schroeder to Dylan, to, to, from, from Desmond Bain. Got the steal, got the layup. It was incredible, man. It was incredible. And then all they had to do is um, Brandon Clark had to go to the other end as he got fouled. All had, and it, was a, it was a dumb foul, by the way, because it was Wayne and Gabriel trying to get the rebound. They missed a shot. I think it was John Moran or whoever missed a shot. And then Wayne and Gabriel undercuts uh, uh, Brandon Clark with seconds left in the game. I think it was like, I forgot, it was like .3 or .4, whatever. And he pushes him. He undercuts him. Then Brandon Clark has two free throws to shoot. Lakers are up by two. Brandon Clark makes the first one, misses the second, game over. What a game. Lakers came back and beat the Grizzlies at home, 122 to 121. Then, the next night, oh, I'm sorry, was that the next night? Because that was Friday. Okay, so yeah, so then on Sunday night, they're on the road again. On the road again. Just for a short stint on the road. Versus the Trailblazers. The Lakers, close game. Everything's close. We're like six minutes left in the second quarter. I forget how much the score was. It was, not, it was a close game. It was like three points or whatever. One point to three points, whatever different. For some reason, it was getting chippy between Pat Beverly and uh, Dame Lillard. Get a little chippy, right? And uh, Dame's now at the line because, you know, Pat bowed him. He's at the line. They talking trash, talking trash. And then if you listen close, Dame says, I'll beat your boop. He's like, I'll beat your boop. And then Pat locks up on him, and then everybody get between them. And then, you know, you know, Dame ain't afraid of nobody from Old Town, City of Old. Oh, don't you know? Shout out to MC Hammer. And, um, you know, have people get between them. Then Pat got a tech. Dame hits that tech, makes his free throws. And guess what? They got beat down. They went on a 31 to 8 run after that. 31 to 8 run. God damn, man. 
And the Lakers are getting beat by 25 at halftime. 25 at halftime. What happened next? I don't know. You tell me. They got beaten that quarter 45 to 13. And the next quarter, LeBron James and the boys turn it on, turn up the heat over in Portland. First of all, mind you, Lakers haven't beat Portland in Portland since like 2019. I don't know if y'all knew that. They ain't won there in like several years. Okay. So now they blow them out in the third by 20, 40 to 20. They go into the fourth quarter only down by five. They keep applying that pressure. Outscoring them by 14. 14 in the fourth, 35 to 21. Just coming out, three-pointer. Even LeBron one time blocked the shot. Ran the ball all the way down and did a coast-to-coast layup. This dude is not there. He's not human. He ain't 38. He's 28. This dude's ligaments ain't, ain't normal. He got vibranium in his jeans, man. This dude, LeBron James, was out there beasting him. And Thomas Bryant has been. And in my in my fantasy league, I benched Thomas Bryant because I didn't I didn't I didn't adjust my rosters properly. Luckily, I still won because I had Tobias Harris on the night. I shouldn't have had him on the bench. And then Th- Thomas Bryant had a subpar. He had a bad week. When they were losing these games, he was getting beat, especially with Houston. He was getting beat down by Sagoon and all these other guys. He's just playing bad. Luckily, Lakers were able to pull out wins. Wayne and Gabriel have been pulling up the slack for the Lakers. But it was it was pretty bad. So I said, let me just bench him because I can play somebody else. And, you know, he might only give me 12 points, blah, blah, blah. Listen, best game of the season, easily. I believe, I think Thomas Bryant was like 33, what do you got, 31 points and 14 boards. A lot of putbacks. He was balling. He was four for five behind the arc. He was balling. Lakers came back. It was the biggest comeback in recent memory. It was the second biggest comeback in LeBron's history, something like that. 25 point deficit to win by nine on the road. Lakers looking scary. And then what they turn around and do after that? They had the audacity, the mitigated gall to make actually make a trade. Lord have mercy. They make a trade. They trade. Kendrick Nunn finally started to play. I told people when you see these guys coming in the lineup, and mind you, Lonnie Walker's out, Reeves is out, so you got to start playing players. You got Troy Brown and yada, 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 right? So Nunn getting some burn. He has good moments. He has bad moments. He had one time he shot a three-pointer, airballed it. I swore I had to do a double take. I said, I did not know that Russell Westbrook was that dark. I was like, oh, that, oh, that was that was Nunn airballing threes. This dude was a runner-up to John Morant for Rookie of the Year. Back when he was he, he was drafted in the same class as John Morant and Zion Williamson. And he outbid Zion Williamson. Mind you, he was out most of the year, but none was that dude. Until Tyler Hero took his spot over there in Miami, none was that dude off the bench beasting on people. He had some games he started in Miami. So a lot of us were excited when he came to the Lakers. He said, like, oh, we got some, and then he didn't play all year. We have people in the Lakers spaces on Twitter calling him Hologram. His nickname was Hologram because he never saw his age. So we 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 took that person in on a two-year deal, $5.5 million, and on his expiring contract, we parlayed that into Rui Hachimura. A lot of y'all don't know who this man is. He's like, allow me to reintroduce myself. Back in 2019, I believe that's the same draft as none. I'm not 100% sure. But back in 2019, he was drafted in a lottery pick, ninth pick overall over there in Washington. Lottery pick player. Came out of Gonzaga. We already know what that's like. Isn't Chet Holmgren just come from there? He's a beast. Roy Achimura was like a center in college, coming to the league playing power forward. Kind of similar to like an Al Horford type. 
because Al Horford, he plays a center, and that's probably how he's going to end up being because this dude's a 3 and D player already. Al Horford had to mature into this position. Al Horford's an undersized center. I think Al Horford's like 6'9", but he has those long wingspans. So is Roy Hachimura, 7'2". Difference is Roy Hachimura's only like 23 years old, 24. And he's already beasting. He plays the four and the three respectively. That's exactly what the Lakers need. And and by having this guy who's six foot eight with a seven foot two wingspan, 230 pounds, he's a beast. And he can move laterally. And he's a rim defender as well. You send off none, expiring contract. And initially they wanted two, they wanted, they wanted two seconds and a first. Lakers were able to parlay. I'm sorry, they wanted a first and a second. Lakers were able to parlay that to three seconds. Because they were negotiating all weekend, allegedly. I'm, I'm going to say that it's confirmed that it was, because obviously it happened. After a big win, you pull this off the next morning. Bam. This just in. Thank you, Shams and Woj. Awesome. Awesome work. A lot of people are like, who is Roy? I don't understand. Listen, this dude shooting over 40% from the from the three-point line. This season is averaging 13 points per game off the bench. That will make him the fourth leading scorer on the Lakers right now. You understand that? And he's not, he wasn't even getting the minutes. He'll get the minutes here. Now, what the cool part about this is a lot of people are like, okay, now we got to trade Russ and Miles Turner. No, you don't do that. Now with Roy Hashimura, he's not Miles Turner. I get that. But now you don't need him and you got it for cheaper because the Lakers are already going to look to extend him. He's coming off his rookie contract. He's going to be a restricted free agent, but Lakers are going to give him a big offer sheet. They most likely will keep him. This goes back into the narrative I was talking about a couple last couple of weeks about you put some splashes together, get some young talent that you can build on in the future, make it look as if you're pushing it all in. You're giving it one last shot, and if it doesn't work out, you blow it up, and now you already have the pieces. So for right now, it's still good. And people are like, oh, move Pat Bev. I like Pat Bev as a locker room guy. My thing is this. You can't move anything else without giving up these first. And if it doesn't work out, this like if you put all your chips in like that and you have no first-round picks for the future, you screwed yourself. You can't do that because as of right now, the Lakers are a low seed. They're still not even in the playing scenario. So, yeah, you want to give up the impression that you want to win, but you're not going to give up any first-round picks for, for, for Bogdanovich. Why would you do that? This dude's like 34, 32 years old. He's not the future, and he's probably not even the present. He doesn't play any defense. He's a one-dimensional player. Why are we still people talking about, oh, let's trade – uh, Pat Bev, Lonnie Walker, and a first. What? The young Lonnie Walker, who's a beast right now, only making six million dollars. What are you talking? Or seven million, whatever it is. He, Lonnie Walker, can shoot the three, almost as good as as Bagdanovich, like right there. I think they're like a percentage, two percentage points away. Not a big difference. Lonnie Walker is above average three point shooter. He's more athletic. He can finish at the rim. He plays better defense. He's a better distributor of the ball. Bogdanovich is a good distributor, and he's a knockdown three-point shooter. That's it. Give me Lonnie Walker. I want Lonnie Walker starting as my point guard. If it wasn't for Schroeder, because I know he has a love affair with, with Ham, I'd rather have Lonnie Walker start as my, 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 my whatever. Because if you look at Schroeder, if he was going up against like Boston Celtics. His slow release, that's getting denied or, or strongly contested by Marcus Smart. You go against the Bucks, Drew Holiday's not having that. Maybe have a Lonnie Walker with that quick release, that's who you need to start. So maybe in the regular season, whatever, by the time if they get if they get to the playoffs, Lonnie Walker needs to be your starting point guard. You got to make those adjustments. You got to let Les Schroeder fix, fit it in somewhere around the bench because you won't, you won't Russ to play and you want Lonnie Walker to play. 
Everybody else figure it out. But it's good that they got rid of one of those guards because they didn't need all those dang old guards. Another cool thing about this trade is reunited and it feels so good. All those wizards are over here. But Hachimura, we have four private from two seasons ago. These are four wizards. Troy Brown, Westbrook, Thomas Bryant, and Hachimura all played together. And all those guys said that Russell Westbrook's the best teammate they've ever had before they came here. And one other person included in that was Bill, who's still over there. These guys, um, Russ and the bench mob is going to be serious. The bench is already one of the best benches in the league. I think they're top three, averaging over 40 points a game. Some games they give you over 50. Now you add a Rudy Hashimura in there. First of all, with this with this lineup, you can actually play the two bigs lineup, which everybody knows I'm big with. Because it's just like you can play Thomas Bryant. The way Thomas Bryant's playing, he's a real bona fide, he's a real bona fide backup now. So there's no drop off with ADs uh, in there. Because I know they still want to play AD at the five. That's fine. Now you can play Roy Hashimura in there. The, on the defensive matchups, him and LeBron can switch. Offensively, they can also switch again. You can play Rui at the four offensively and let LeBron play the point forward and then defensively you see what I'm saying defensively you have Roy guarding the wing and LeBron could guard the four you could just swap it around because he's a three and four he's a four and three you could put him out there you don't have to put a, even a Troy Brown who's like six five a Lonnie Walker six four you don't have to do that anymore you can have Roy start Roy will start with AD and LeBron you got a problem you got a long more defensive play and he can still shoot that three in the corner three he's a quarter three shooter so i'm really looking forward to see what comes on through all of that with Rui going to the team speaking on lebron uh with the all-star voting the way it's looking right now is going to be um lebron versus uh Giannis. i gotta go look that up again but i think that is it but more important we're looking at the tracker lebron is lebron james is 224 games away from eclipsing the one kareem at dual jabbar amazing so you have that going on now with with lebron lebron james who lebron james that is what's going on there i'm gonna pull up that i'm gonna have my um statistician look up the all-star voting and see how that's panning out um and, and the and the rankings or whatever uh, uh it's here somewhere with the votes but last time i checked it was lebron versus Giannis again so lebron versus Giannis. i think they're gonna go over it on the 26th Gonna, yeah, yeah. LeBron, Giannis leading third all-star voting returns. Yeah. So that that's where it's going to be. It's going to be LeBron and Giannis once again. And I did enjoy when they did the picks. Now, um, when it's finalized and it's set there, they're going to they're going to finalize it, crystallize it on Thursday. When they do that. So next Tuesday, I'm going to give you guys, I'm going to predict who they're going to pick. I've been right on this every year because I know how Giannis does. I'm sorry, how LeBron uh, does. And I'm usually right. So I'm looking forward to predicting that for you guys. When you're looking at this season right now, um, before we move forward on that, I want to see here. Let's look at, let me see. I think there's still some games going on. I know this is pre-recorded. So yeah, that's just the Lakers roster. Let me look up this real quick. Yeah. So there's some games still going on right now. I believe the Spurs and the Trailblazers are still playing Kings and Grizzlies and uh, the Jazz and the Hornets, but it does make a huge difference in the standings because um, there's some breakaway happening. In the East, the Celtics have a considerable lead, removing themselves from the pack, even though they just recently lost, but they're like 9-1 last 10, and I believe they're um, one ten of their last 12. So with Marcus Smart going down, they got to make some adjustments, and Robert Williams also being hurt. 
but right now they're considerably in the lead. Now, um, with the Sixers riding high, they pushed themselves into second place. They went from fifth to second, just like that, and moved the Bucks down a peg. Um, the Bucks right now in the third position in the East, but they're only a half game out, the Bucks and the 76ers. They're gonna be dueling for that. I don't think anyone's taking that number one crown. Now that KD is down, the, the Nets have made a slide. They lost, I think, a 1.4 game straight. They're five and five out of their last 10. They won the last two games. So the Nets right now comfortably in the fourth position. The Cavs, fifth. The Heat, sixth. Not too far ahead of the Knicks, but the Knicks aren't doing great. They're they're sliding. They're free falling, losing four games straight in the playing scenario. Hawks right there behind them in, in eighth. The Pacers still hanging on in ninth. And the Bulls having that final spot, 10th. That's interesting for the Raptors. No one's talking about this, but they're six games below 500. That's worse than the Lakers, but no one's talking about it. They're in the 11th spot. All these guys are treading water, five and five in the last 10. Pacers have been sliding, losing seven games straight. My goodness, Lord have mercy. I think the Pacers don't want to be in it. I think the Pacers really want to get back in the win by Yama 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 stakes. So you might see them start to free fall and try to get down where the Magic Hornets and Pistons are. I really feel like the Hornets are going to get the number one pick in the draft. They might get Wimbayana, and you have him playing with on LaMelo Ball. My goodness, my goodness. It's going to be interesting next season. But that's how it pans out right now. Um, the Yeah, because the Bulls have a one-and-a-half game lead over the Raptors and Wizards. So the Bulls can fall out, but we have to wait and see what happens to see if anybody makes any more moves. We're going to the Western Conference. You have the Nuggets, Tops. Got a nice little lead over the Grizzlies, even though they've been losing. Grizzlies have been losing more. Um, the Kings still comfortably there, even though they took a nice little L not too long ago. They're still there, but they have a nice cushion. The Nuggets and the Grizzlies have a huge lead. So the Nuggets are a game and a half over the Grizzlies. And the Grizzlies are five, four and a half games above the Kings. So it's a big gap between one and two and then the rest of the pack. Because now you go from three all the way down to about six for the rest of the playoff scenario. Three games. Three games. Kings third, Pelicans fourth, which is very impressive. Um, Mike Brown's going to get coach of the year. I think he won it before in Cleveland. He's going to win it twice. I don't know. I got to look up and see how many coaches have won it multiple times. And usually when you win the coach of the year, you're not usually a championship coach. I had to look up that too. How many coach of the year people have actually won the championship? I'll look that up for you guys next week. Remind me. All right. Pelican's still fourth. Even though they lost four straight, they're still comfortably there in fourth, but a game and a half above the Mavericks. Then you have the Clippers in that final playoff position. They only have a half game on the Suns. The Suns are re-emerged, winning three straight because now they're getting their players back. Cam Johnson, Booker's coming back. Everybody's coming back. I think Chris Paul's not too far away either. So the team is ramping up at the right time, right before um, All-Star break, which is good. So I can look for the Suns to probably emerge into that top six spot comfortably being a playoff. They do not want to be in the playing scenario. Timberwolves, eighth spot. Jazz right there um, in the ninth spot in the final playing spot. The Warriors are there. One game below 500, but they're tied with the Jazz as of right now because they've, they've um, it's interesting. Okay, the Jazz have one more win in the win column and they played two more games. All right, so that's how that pans out. You have the Thunder and the Lakers right there looking in. Lakers just jumped ahead of the, the, the Blazers. They now moved up a spot to the second, I'm sorry, to the 12th spot. They are currently a game out of the playing scenario and they are two games out of the playoff playoffs 
So now the Clippers are actually getting Kawhi back healthy. He's been balling this past week. Paul George is in and out the lineup. If they could just stay consistent, and if each of them could play at least three games a week, and they play four, say they play four games a week, and they went three out of one going forward, the Clippers could move up easily into that fourth spot, be nice and comfortable. So they can get a um, first round uh, home court advantage in the fourth, fourth, first round, the fourth spot. I can see them doing that. And I can see the Clippers, I'm sorry, the Lakers trying to emerge into that sixth spot with this new Rui Hashimura. And then they might not be done with some trades. They might move Pat Bev and some other pieces. But if they're moving a first round pick, I'll reutter this again, reiterate this again. If they have to move a first round pick, I'm not interested. This is not before when you're trying to move Russ, they're trying to do this. Now I'm kind of liking that they held on. Three second round picks, nobody cares about those. Damn them picks. That's what I say. Rui Hashimura is a player for the now and the future. The Lakers right now, I believe, can... The Thunder ain't, ain't serious. The Jazz and the Timberwolves, I don't believe, are serious. But that's one, two, three teams that are ahead of them. So you move Lakers up to, like, the ninth spot, if you will. Because the Suns, and, and we can all agree, the Suns and the Warriors and the Clippers most likely are better than them. You have to wait and see. For them to move into the sixth spot, who's moving out? Clippers? I don't know. Mavericks? I don't know. Definitely ain't the Pelicans. Unless, unless the Pelicans get an injury and they've been free-falling, it's possible, but not probable. The Kings, I didn't believe in them before the season started either. So it's just crazy at this point of season that these guys are so far above 500. Really, the Pelicans are. Once you get down to the Mavericks, these guys are just treading water, so you never know the Mavericks could fall out. But that scenario, the Clippers, I don't think will. But the Mavericks can fall out of that. The Warriors, I believe, are going to get better. The Warriors going to move up. So we have to wait and see. I, I just can't see right now Lakers being a top six team. I see them being like a seven or eight. So they're playing in a play-in scenario where you need two games to eliminate them. That's where I see them finishing the season. Probably seventh or eighth. That's that's where I see it. They, they can. It's possible. But I don't believe it's probable. All right. So um, sticking on my Lakers again. You know, that's why you're here. That's why you're here. We're going to see um, what the Lakers look like for the next few games. So um, tonight, they play the Clippers. Lakers have a nice little homestand. They have two games at home. Then they have about five games on the road. So they got two games at home versus the Clippers and the Spurs. Um, that's tonight and then Wednesday night. Um, I'm predicting on my top picks, you'll hear that. I'm predicting against the Lakers. because And notice when you when I go through my picks, when I pick against the Lakers, they win. When I pick for the Lakers, they lose. So I'm going to think I got it figured out. <laughs> so um, they got they play the Clippers. If they can beat the Clippers, that's a one-game jump. That's huge. Because right now, they are what? Two games behind, behind the Clippers. They will leapfrog. They will move up quite a bit. They'll drop the Clippers down a peg, and Lakers will jump a peg up on them. There'll be a game out of wherever position with the Clippers. So that's why it's so huge that they win that game. Then the Spurs, and then they go on the road. Hachimura should be available for the game on the road on, on Saturday versus the Celtics. All right, 5.30. Watch that game. Hachimura should be making his debut against the Celtics. Then they play the Nets and then the Knicks back-to-back, -back Monday, um, Monday and Tuesday. They play the Nets and the Knicks on the road. They could win both of those games. No KD and the Knicks are the Knicks. Lakers could win both of those games. So the Clippers, they might lose. They should beat the Spurs. They could lose to the Celtics. Never know what Hachimura, they might not. No Marcus Smart. And, and no Robert Williams. So the Lakers could actually win that game. You see what they've been doing. They could win all these games, actually. But Kawhi, ugh, he's a catalyst to the Lakers. So anyways, um, Nets, Knicks, they should win those games. And they play the Pacers. They should win all those games. Out of the next six games, Lakers should go be at least 5-1. and one, Maybe at worst, 4-2. and two. At worst, losing the Celtics to the Clippers. Maybe. 
Everyone else, they should beat them. Four and two. That's that's gain some ground. They might get at least a game and a half of the people ahead of them, push them up to like the eighth or seventh spot within the next few games. And then if you continue to go down a little bit, Hachimura should come back, should be on the Lakers and play on the 28th. Scroll all the way down to the 4th, February 4th. Um, it's the day I'm home going to my, my cousin, the day after my birthday. I'm most likely going to watch that game. But that's the day that AD should make his return against the Pelicans on the road. Mark your calendar. Saturday, February 4th, AD comes back on the road versus the Pelicans. And then, February 9th, at home against the Bucks. That's the day I predict that LeBron's going to break Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record. If he has to sit out a day, because he's like, oh, he's 10 points away against the Thunder. But on February 7th, he's like, oh, I'm going to sit that day out. So my first, I'm, I'm, I'm going to relax that day. I'm telling you, because he wants to probably do it against Giannis. You know, so I can see that happen February 9th. And I believe that game is televised. I think that's a Thursday. Let me do the math on that. That's five more days from Saturday. That could be a Tuesday. Yeah, so that's Saturday, and then the 7th is, uh, get my calendar out, Saturday, Saturday, we got Sunday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, yeah, that's a Tuesday, and then ninth is Thursday, yeah, so that's TNT, Lakers versus Bucks is TNT, that's the day he's going to break it, on TNT, against the Bucks, at home, that's the day he's going to break it, that's the game I got to go to, I already looked at the tickets, I'm going to go buy it sooner than later, I got to see how many I'm going to get, who wants to go with me, let me know. Lakers versus Bucks. That's the day he breaks it. February 9th. Market calendars. That's the date on TNT. That's the day he's going to break Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record. Now against the Thunder. Against Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks. That's the day he's going to do it. Lord have mercy. Anyways, that's it. Um, before we get out of here, um, I do want to watch the new House Party movie. I have yet to watch it. Um, so I'm looking forward to watching that i got my family to my nephew still laid up get well junior um busted up his leg so i'm gonna come over there every week so we can watch shaka zulu these guys have never watched it <laughs> and i'm trying to get everybody to get him to watch shaka zulu so i have you have to watch it i have it on dvd so i took the dvd player over there and hooked it up so we're watching that every week so rest up nephew and that's how we do um great show this week look forward to seeing y'all all next week you've been listening to the time is now have a great day people all right all right let's welcome back to my nba top picks it's my nba top picks for week january the 17th let's see how i did tuesday portland versus denver i chose denver and i was right philadelphia versus the clippers i chose the clippers at home and i was wrong atlanta versus the mavs i chose atlanta on the road and against luka Doncic. The rematch of Luka Doncic and Trey Trigger, Trey Ice, Trey Young. I said Trey Young's going to win, and I was right. Next, Miami versus New Orleans. I had Miami on the road, and I was right. Cleveland versus Memphis. Memphis at home. I chose Memphis, and I was right again. Next, Sacramento versus the Lakers. I chose the Lakers, and I was wrong, man. God dog it. Next, Thursday, go to State versus Boston. I chose Boston on, at home, and I was right. Next, Brooklyn versus Phoenix. I chose Brooklyn on the road, and I was wrong. Philly versus Portland. I chose Portland at home, and I was wrong again. Not on Friday. Mavs versus Dallas. Dallas at home. I chose Dallas. I was right. Knicks versus Atlanta. That nice rematch. I chose Atlanta at home, and I was right. Next, go to State versus Cleveland. I chose Cleveland at home, and go to State won on the road, and it was epic, people. Next, Memphis 
versus the Lakers. I chose Memphis on the road, and guess what? I was wrong, and I'm okay with it. Next Saturday, Milwaukee versus Cleveland. Cleveland at home, I chose Cleveland, and I was right. Philly versus Sacramento. Sacramento at home, I chose Sac, and I was wrong. Next Sunday, New Orleans versus Miami. New Orleans on the road, I chose them, and I was wrong. Next Memphis versus Phoenix, I chose Phoenix at home. I was right. Brooklyn versus Golden State, I chose Golden State at home, and I was wrong. Lakers versus Portland, I chose Portland at home, and I was wrong, and I'm happy for it. Hey, man, just choose the Lakers to lose, and I will win every time. Monday, 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 Atlanta versus Chicago, I chose Chicago at home, and I was right. Next, Charlotte versus Utah, I chose Charlotte on the road, I don't know why, and I was wrong. Memphis versus Sacramento, I chose Sacramento at home, and they beat them down, and I was right. Last week's top picks, I was 11 for 11. That's 50 50. So that means that don't mean nothing because it's a 50% chance to go win every time. So I guess I got to get it together. Now, this week, tonight, Cleveland versus the New York Knicks. I got Cleveland on the road. Next, Boston versus Miami. I got Boston on the road. Next, Denver versus New Orleans. I got Denver on the road. Dang it. And finally, I got the Clippers versus the Lakers. I got the Clippers on the road. Beat my Lakers. You understand why? I want the Lakers to win. That's what we doing Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Brooklyn versus Philadelphia. I got Philadelphia at Home, next, Denver versus Milwaukee. Denver, that's back-to-back, -back, baby. You ain't going to win this one. Milwaukee going to beat them down. Um, that, that is the MVP versus MVP matchup. Can't wait to see that one on ESPN. Next, Memphis versus Golden State. I got Golden State at home. Toronto versus Sacramento. I got Toronto on the road. Stop the Sacramento from all this scoring, baby. Next, Thursday versus the Knicks. Knicks versus Boston. I got Boston at home. Next, Dallas versus the Phoenix Suns. I got Dallas on the road winning that game. Next, Friday. Memphis versus Minnesota. I got Memphis winning that on the road. Next, Toronto versus Golden State at home. Golden State, I got y'all winning at home, baby. Saturday, Denver versus Philly. I got Denver on the road. Knicks versus Brooklyn. Got the Subway Series. I got the Nets winning at home with Kyrie shooting high. Now, we got the Clippers versus Atlanta. I got Clippers on the road. Next, Lakers versus Boston. Beantown, I got Boston winning that game because I want my Lakers to win. You already get it. Okay, now, Sunday, Clippers versus Cleveland. I got Cleveland at home. Finally, 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 I got New Orleans Pelicans versus the Milwaukee Bucks. I got New Orleans winning on the road. That is it for my NBA top picks. That's my NBA top picks this week. Y'all been listening to The Time Is Now. We do not have the rights to this music.
I bet you got the techniques to freak a girl inside out. What's that all about? Can I have some of that? You gotta put me on. Word around town is your nine men strong. I wanna be put on in the worst way. Since the first day, I think it was the Thursday. You be that brother that I wanna sink my teeth in. Make me wanna ask, where the hell you been? I like the way you be with all that personality. But I got flavor too. You need to get with me. This week, we're going to do something a little different. Nothing, no gibberish from me, no talking, no soapbox, nothing for me to stand on right now. I'm going to let my peers speak this week purely, just surely. I'm going to get an excerpt from Trevor Noah and his understanding or his viewpoint of what reparations should be like, what they are, and then also... Or she's like a resident guest in Lean Easy 
who comes with so much knowledge, spitting facts rapidly like a machine gun, has her thoughts on critical race theory. Sit back and listen. That's an interesting question. What do you mean by that? If I well, like, there are like white people that have like been disenfranchised like recently, like Re- recently is the key. Uh, recently is the well, key. The country like deindustrialized, right? So like a lot of people in like manufacturing jobs and stuff. Like, right. But so 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 to your question, to your question, I think you have to understand what the word reparations means first. So reparations, you are repairing something that you have broken. You are paying for something that you were supposed to pay for. I'm not saying that there aren't people living in America today who are suffering and are going through pain and strife because of what's happening when it comes to um, you know, the machines taking jobs, uh, factories becoming industrialized, etc. But reparations is a specific conversation about a specific time in America, and that is black people were slaves. You know what I mean? It, I've even heard people say like, oh, but there were some of the Irish who were indentured. Like, yeah, let's slavery. Look at the numbers, look at the time, look at the level of work. You could not work toward your freedom. For most black people in America, this was a time when you were, that was it. You lived and died as a slave. And so that's what reparations is about. And so I hear what you're saying, but I think that's a completely separate conversation that needs to be had about the now. Because if you, if you are not careful, what you then do is you combine everybody's suffering into the same ball and you make it seem like all injustices have the same weighting. And they don't, just like crimes. You know, theft isn't the same as murder. We don't try them the same way. And as much as there is a white person who's suffering today, I feel for anybody who's suffering, because I know what it's like to be poor. I know what it's like to suffer. I didn't come from a wealthy family. We struggled when I was growing up. But I also understand that there are levels of that suffering, you know? And so sometimes white people, it, it, does, it does block a white person because you go, white privilege. And a person goes, I'm poor and I'm white. Where's the privilege? You know, white people are like, I wish I could activate my white privilege. I wish I could do it right now. White privilege, give me something. <laughs> I, I get that. I get that. Trust me, I get it. It is hard to accept that you have benefits because of the color of your skin if you cannot see the benefits that you have. But the thing I try to explain to a person is, think of it more like golf. Don't think of it as privilege, then think of it like a handicap. Right? In golf, they acknowledge that you are in a position where you need so many advantages to be competitive in the game. Right? So what they say is you have a handicap of 15, so that means like you're going to be hitting from this tee and you get more chances to get the ball in because we understand the position you're in. And if you're a black person in America, from slavery, from day one, the number of injustices that have held black people back in America amount to an insurmountable... Like you, you, look, at, you look at black people's freedom, you look at black people's land, just, just land alone. The amount of wealth you can, you can acquire over time if you own land is exponential. Because you have the land, you have the fact that you can borrow based on the land, you have the fact that you can use the money that you have borrowed to grow more wealth, you can use it to grow your family's wealth. Just taking that away from black people alone is crippling them. And so you combine that with slavery and then you look at Jim Crow laws. You didn't let black people in America live in the areas that they wanted to live in. They couldn't get loans from the banks that they wanted to get loans from. And then on top of that, when they started getting the loans from American banks, American banks were found to be giving them higher interest rates when in fact they were the same risk as many of the other races that they were, they were, they were giving loans to. So when you combine all of those things, I think it's safe to say that black Americans have a conversation that they need to be having with the United States doesn't involve me, doesn't involve white people, doesn't, it's like, it's like, yo, American government, meet the black people. That's it.
have that conversation. Hey y'all, what's up? It's Friday, so I'm gonna keep it black. But I'ma keep it brief. Now, Ron, you sound like a bitch. <laughs> this time, Ron DeSantis has gone as far to ban AP Black History of Florida schools. Why are you so obsessed with me? College Board, the organization in charge of certifying AP curriculum and the SAT, is halfway through a pilot program launching an AP African American Studies course in 60 schools across the country. Now, we don't know if any of them schools are actually in Florida, but of course, Ron DeSantis had to open up his mouth. On January 12th, he and his friends over at the Department of Education wrote a letter to the College Board saying that an AP African American Studies course is inexplicably contrary to Florida law and significantly lacks educational value. <laughs> That's wild. Then had the audacity to say that should the college board be willing to come back to the table with lawful, historically accurate content, Florida would be willing to discuss. <laughs> Boy, these people are not at all interested in equal rights, nor are they interested in appearing as if they do. Tell the truth, shame the devil. First of all, saying black studies lacks educational value is insane, especially when you currently permit AP courses in Japanese language and culture, German language and culture, Italian language and culture, Spanish language and culture, and European history altogether. Mother they don't even go here but got a history or culture that's somehow more valuable to the learning experience of American children than an advanced and concentrated course in actual American history. Crazy. Black studies literally brings to light the underbelly of so many things. The nascence of the American economy, the industrial revolution, civil disobedience, technological advancements, hell, even modern gynecology, and that's the problem. We will steal their thunder and rain on their parade. Black movements have also triggered waves across the American continent and American history over and over and over again. So what are we even talking about? What you're really saying is that European history History and these other courses that focus specifically on culture and language, not even these people's experiences as minorities on American soil, don't threaten the narrative of the American dream. AP courses also provide students with the opportunity to gain credit towards their degrees at institutions of higher learning. So it's also giving that you don't think black history is elevated or sophisticated enough and that's crass and your mama ought to be shamed. So beyond the willingness to be unabashedly racist and deplorably unread backwater, knuckle-dragging Neanderthals because you don't read and therefore inform policy restricting people's rights based off something that you heard, you don't even know what critical race theory is. Number one, it's not new. It's been around for over 40 years and has typically been reserved for graduate level courses, not even undergrad for some time outside of HBCUs, but more commonly available to students in law school with an interest in how American racism has affected lawmaking and legal systems. The word theory be throwing y'all for a loop and unfortunately gives y'all a distaste off principle because you think that it means it's just a bunch of hoopla. When the reality of the matter is, we couldn't call it theory if y'all bitches didn't make it up. Woo! Critical race theory hinges on the fact that race is a social construct and therefore constructed by society in service to the game of a desired racial majority. We simply giving it a name. Y'all the ones pulled it out your asses. So the claim DeSantis and friends made that this course leaves large, ambiguous gaps that can be filled with additional ideological material. It's just as hollow and misinformed as the American education system itself. <laughs> I don't know, it sounds like an NAACP Image Award winner to me. Historically inaccurate, the college board didn't just hop on the Black History Follow train. They've been working on this for more than a decade, working alongside college faculty and actual scholars to produce evidence-based material, something you know nothing about. It's fear-mongering. White people venues in the same playbook over and over again raising unfounded and illegitimate concerns amongst their peers about the impending threat of black anything when in fact we was minding our business when you found us and been trying to mind our business ever since your government could no longer sustain the institution of slavery but us minding our business means that you can't live freely in your delusion so it's a problem second of all inextricably contrary to florida law simply means florida would like to continue to ignore racism while openly practicing it oh we're not done this is just the most recent effort by DeSantis and his administration to halt the exposure of its children to real life he's already been critical race theory specifically prohibited the teaching of the 1619 project and even has stipulation around how schools can talk to students about race let alone gender and sexuality and this is a man they want to run for president next year someone actively engaging in censorship we're talking about an official making moves that mimic the very communists they so afraid of how you gonna literally ban books and propagandize the ussr in the same breath huh kick rocks but also go vote for me naacp image award voting is open daily Link
You can win as long as you keep your head to the sky. Be optimistic. But that's it this week, guys. Another great week, another great show. All right, all right, man. Another great week, man. I appreciate y'all for listening to me, all my faithful listeners. Remember, the music choice this week was I Wanna Be Down, the remix by Brandy featuring MC Light, Yo-Yo, and Queen Latifah. Remember, if you like the show, of course, like it. And, of course, of course, share it. And, of course, of course, subscribe. Now it's time for your final word. Submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and the judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you who are you to judge your neighbor. James 4, 7 through 12. Remember, spread love, share love, embrace love, for God is love. Till next time, peace. Yeah. I know the storms and strife.